Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. All right, today's show is sponsored by Harry's Razors. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades they want you to try their trial shave set for free. Go to harrys.com slash bcpod right now to redeem your free trial offer. That's harrys.com slash bcpod. Today's show is also sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. And today's show is also sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy your postage online at a fraction of the price without ever having to leave your home. Sign up today at Stamps.com. Use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive a four-week trial plus postage with a digital scale with no long-term commitment. That's Stamps.com and use promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Here we go. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. When you're hotter than a mother father. Uh, when you're hotter than a mother father. Mother fathers, what's up? It's stupid. Christian podcast. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Matt, you are did hard you like to keep up with, man. Matt, did you like how I didn't use, I didn't actually use profanity? Well, I didn't like it. No, because, you know. I didn't use a bad word, though. Well, I like bad words. It's just I, I find that they're a little off-putting to new listeners because we get new, new listeners every single week, and I think you need a little context before people can That's hear you say the That's why I thought I was doing the right thing. No, you still Joey, did the wrong thing the right because thing. you said a dorky, uh, silly, obnoxiously goofy substitute cuss word, which also gives the wrong impression for the I podcast. I substituted <laughs> it for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why I didn't say it. Jesus hey. hates cussing. We all know that. It's everywhere. It's written all, every red letter in the Bible is basically about cussing and how bad it is. So I am trying to do the right thing. And I, I'm kind of upset and hurt. Y'all don't appreciate that. Yeah. A Joey, lot of you, people, Joey, you're a, a pastor. Yeah. Well, a lot people don't know this, but a lot of people don't realize that the word homosexuality in the list of sins where people will not inherit eternal life, if you trace it back to the original meaning, it's cussing. Like, well, they're the same. That yeah. word is cussing. Yeah, I can see how they're the same thing. I tell you what is uh, driving me crazy. Just before we got started here, uh, Toby said something, made some joke about drugs or meth or something like that, and Reva chimes yeah. in and says... And I'm, oh, she knows everything about drugs. I know. She says, I, she's from a small town in Iowa, and says that her town is the meth lab capital of the world. It has the most meth labs per <laughs> summer now. Now, the reason that I think that is very funny is because I've heard that 
1,000 times and from people that are not from her town. And I'm sure as That's we're true. listening today, and I want you to tweet me if, the, if that applies to you, if you thought your town was the meth lab capital of the world. Now, in, Reva, in Reva's defense, she has a horrific meth problem. Now, yeah. Now I, mean, she, just, right. I mean, so that, that, that kind of shows, I don't, I, they definitely have meth where she's from. Yeah. Now, she could be right, and somebody is right, but here's the thing. Those, here's what I think is so funny about that is I hear it so often. People love to make that claim. My county this. But what I think what's going on is there's a bunch of variables there. Like you can tweak statistics, for instance, to make it the most this or that or whatever. So so instead of right. saying my town, my county, our place in our state, and it's per capita versus total yeah. amount uh, or what what's considered a meth lab, I guess there's just a bunch of way to manipulate the st- statistics so that by some it's measure you are the most. And uh, I'll take this further and back me up, Toby, if I'm not right about okay. this. But what are the other ones that we – if you we travel all the time. We always go to places. We ask people where they're from. They yep. say some embarrassing small town or a little place or whatever it is and then they always follow it up not always but often they'll follow it up by explaining uh, some stat about their town but I hear the same ones all the time so they cannot be true so what are the other ones that you hear a lot the big one is our town has the worst traffic in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the tra- yeah, that's more of the cities that get that. All but everybody, traffic. all the the minor cities, I call them insecure cities. Like yep. I'm going to list Charleston and Indianapolis as those uh, right. because they're they're not really major cities, but well, they're probably major cities by some regard. Indianapolis is a lot bigger than Charleston, but when they want to compete with big cities, they say stuff like, "We well, actually have the worst traffic" or whatever it is. And the other <laughs> right. one that goes in that vein is uh, this? they say this is the new Silicon Valley here, where I oh live. Oh, my God. How yes. many times have you heard that? I've heard that. In, I've about, heard it hundreds of times. I've heard it about Charleston and Indianapolis, actually, yep. <laughs> on that one alone. Grand Rapids, yeah, oh, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> they are blowing up. All, it's all these it new tech so- startups. If you get three tech startups in your city and they have a shared workspace, you're the new Silicon yeah. Valley, they say. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really funny too how people buy it because I mean it, oh it's a tech startup oh. like there's autom- automatically this implication uh-huh. of, oh well smart oh. super smart mm-hmm. doing something unbelievable that technology this is the net you know this is going yeah. to be serious when it's just like it's kind of just starting a business right it's yeah. just it's like a small business <laughs> It's same as start, a bunch of people back in the day. I started plumbing mm-hmm. businesses, but in pe- a town. We're, hey, we're the new plumbing capital. Of the people world. are big on saying that theirs is the new Silicon Valley by some stat. We have the most startups, whatever. Per ca- the other one is, and this one drives me crazy. This one I've been. I've, no, these other ones are more recent, but this other one I've heard my whole life is this. Uh, this school. We're moving to this new place. We're trying to buy a house, and it's. In, the best school district in the country. <laughs> the rated number one school. Actually, you know, Sally's going to get to go to the number one school. Again, right. that how many how many can there be? Well, I guess there can be a million dep- depending on what rating or ranking or whatever it is. So when somebody tells you, don't worry, your kid's going to the best school in the country, it's not true. You just, yeah. I mean, it's a good thing to say and everybody likes it, but it's, I'm sure it's a great school. I'm sure you have tons of meth in your town. Don't worry. I'm not trying to take anything away from you. You have a meth problem. Yes, your traffic is bad. And yes, you have a few tech startups. But there's no reason to claim to be number one in these things. And again, everybody out there that hears any of those things or thinks any of those things, tweet it to us. Tweet it to me. We'll see all the conflicting information. I got got one too. Go ahead. ahead. First of all, with with Charleston, I unfortunately hear the complete opposite. It's like, oh, you're, you're moving to that. 
uh, area, you know what school your kids are going to go to because most of the schools are, are not that good. But the one that I hear a lot that's just so funny is, hey, you know that high school has a crazy weed problem. <laughs> weed problem? <laughs> what high school doesn't? I mean, they're just selling it all over the place. It's I mean, people unreal, will even the weed. smoke it. It's just crazy weed. <laughs> now, let's talk about schools for a little bit if you want to. I wasn't planning on it, but I, I, I'm very interested in this topic. Georgia just turned four. We just had her birthday this week. Weekend. And it's crazy because I always figured it was a million years off before she'd actually be in school. Now, my position on schools in general is fuck them. Who cares? I don't care what school she goes to. I don't like school. I don't think it matters anyway. And I, I'm getting close to her starting school. My wife, of course, thinks the opposite. She thinks if you get in the right school, you're guaranteed to be president of the United States. And if you get in the wrong school, right. you're guaranteed to be dead. So, yep. <laughs> I'm. I don't think it matters much at all. But I'm. I'm wondering if I'm gonna if and when I'm gonna change my tune because people have always told me, son, Matt or son, that's what my dad would say. You say all this stupid stuff now, but you'll change your tune when you grow up, or you'll change your tune when you get married, you change your tune when you have kids. I'm about to have a kid go to school, and I still wish she wouldn't even have to go. I don't like the sound of it at all, and I don't think it matters what school she goes to. But. Have y'all having some experience in some older kids now that I'm staring down the barrel of it? Do you have any thoughts on that? You think I mean, I'm I, wrong? Are you worried about? And if so, what? Well, Joey what was a teacher. What are you Joey worried about? Weed teacher. being at school? Like I understand if there's a lot of violence at school in the South Side of Chicago. I, okay, fair enough. But I'm saying the school near me versus the better one farther away from me. That can't be that big of a deal. It just doesn't say. I don't. I don't see why you could care. At all, and of course, you can point to something making the school better or worse. But I don't think you know what the impact you'd have on the kid is from going to a, a one school versus the other. Like, is well, it not I good hear, to, I mean, to find yeah. hear adversity and go through stuff? I went to a dumb schools in the middle of the woods that were no good. It's fine. Yeah, or maybe so I'd be Priscilla, a rich doctor other if I went to a good school. Who knows? Yeah, Priscilla and I butt heads with with school stuff. She takes the younger years of education way more serious than I think that she should, and she that would infuriate her. So if she's listening right now, she's really mad. But I just she's I, mad I that, that I don't that, care about my daughter's education. No, she's mad that I said what I just oh, said. Okay. But I think that the early stages of education, especially a lot of it, is just learning how to be a human, which includes. Failing sometimes and and uh, not doing stuff and forgetting stuff and having to brush up on life skills. But here here's let me give you an example, Matt. The school that all of our kids are going to and Rosa finished fifth grade. It's an elementary school and it is a lottery school. So if you live in West Ashley, which is an area in Charleston, that's those are the only people that have access to the school. You get on a waiting list, and we hit the jackpot because Rosa got in in kindergarten, and that means that as long as we have one kid in the school, the rest of them mm-hmm. follow in. And because there is a screening process and parents actually have to do something to get their kid in by like proving the residency, filling out paperwork, they're taking an extra step – you are already putting your kid into a school system where the parents care. And then secondly, because of that, the best teachers are attracted to that school. And once they get there, they don't want to go elsewhere because they're like, man, this is cool. Everybody cares. And so I would much rather my kids go to this school than a school where the teachers hate their jobs, Mm -hmm. the parents don't care. Because for me, it's, it's just a matter of they're wasting their time because they're not getting instruction. The kids are just going crazy. 
And so I don't want my kids to waste my time. But I think the the big thing that that I can't stand, though, as far as uh, academics are concerned, is the emphasis that we put on book smarts. Mm -hmm. That is not... like. I look at someone who can make anything with their hands, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's smart. I can't do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I hate the fact that we put so much value in book smarts, and we don't value music smarts Mm -hmm. or book smarts, or, or, I mean, our uh, handyman sort of stuff. I think what's rewarded in that situation, though, in the the bad school or anywhere, it seems like it's more like rewarded of, instead of book smarts, it's really more about just conformity, which kind of bugs me a little bit. But it's like... I think the the adversity of having to deal with stupid adults who are in charge, that's what life is like. You have to learn that. Like That's all I see in the world is a bunch of dumb adults that I have to deal with that are in charge. That's what teachers were. That's what the government is. That's what the... the that's what the police are. That's what my neighbors are. You you have to deal with that. I mean, so, you know, I've been learning that my whole life, how to deal with those kind of people f- from going to a bad school, probably. So, yeah. I, verse, and it's and adversity and bullies and n- not learning from them. So, I've got to figure out stuff myself. All that, w- if I went to a school with the most brilliant teachers and everybody, and they fed me the right information, maybe that leads me down some road of being coddled or something. And maybe that's not better yeah. for me. Well, how about you, Tobe? You didn't go to a good school. Would no, you be? Well, what yeah. would happen had you gone to the school that Ruby goes to? That's so good. What? Well, how would say, you be I, different? I will say this: I don't think my school challenged me at all. And the same as you, I feel like I was a smart kid, and I got in, you know I was in ahead of everybody in a lot of things. But as I got older, I was just like, this is just bullshit. It doesn't matter. And so I just scraped by to where I even had to graduate high school in summer school because I cared so little that I did nothing. I, and I ended up failing four classes, talked my way into passing three of them, but my al- Algebra 2 teacher wouldn't let me. And so I had to take Algebra 2 my senior year. I didn't even make mm-hmm. it past that. I failed Algebra and Algebra 2, I think, just because I didn't care. So if you went and, to a great uh, school, how did you turn out different? I, I felt Better like maybe, worse. like what Joey's saying, I think maybe uh, – now, how about this too? I do kind of blame. I don't put blame on my parents, but my parents thought, "Oh, you go to school and you just as long as you can make a C, then that I don't care." You know, that's that's kind of all they 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 said. My parents didn't really push me to do any more. But I think maybe if I'd have gone somewhere like an art school or something like Gr- Greenville uh, Creative Arts School or whatever, I might could have done something. But I, I think I mean, you you're did right something. To- Look at you. What do you what could have done? What you go to Creative Arts School and then maybe you've been a singer and a podcaster and a creative for a living? What? Well. I mean, I'm I'm not that good of a musician. <laughs> like I would, I would, I think I would have been better. I I didn't get really any discipline from school. School gave me zero discipline. It gave me zero like desire to learn. Like I eventually had to tell myself, wait a minute, you got to learn stuff. Like I, I had to tell my schools that. do that, and for anybody, uh, even a good school, uh, you might be know. right. Now, hey, that's you're right, and and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think I think teachers get a bad rap. Because they say, you know, a, a worse school is this, the teacher's fault. I always put blame on the parents. I, I, I mean, I got my degree in elementary education, and the kids with, that had the most uh, potential, the best opportunities were just, just the parent being mm-hmm. interested. It didn't matter about their socioeconomic status. It didn't, all that factors into it, but the thing that was most important is if your parents just go, I'll, I care, I want to be a part of this, and so that's the way it is. But I will say, on a, on a funny side note, here's what's really funny is, you know, I lived in Charleston with Joey. We got into a lottery school, and one of the reasons we moved uh, was just because of the schools and traffic. <laughs> Both those things. Our school was downtown, and the traffic was so bad, it took us an, Even though if, if there was no tra- traffic, it would have been 10-, 15-minute drive. Because of the traffic, it was an hour both ways, and Jess and I, we, we're funny. not going to do this. Well, we're that's hard. We'll see, that's so what I, that's, That was that's one of the reasons like. we, we moved. 
I think that's what I think is going on is parents are so focused on these things that they're you know that you just experientially deal with which is traffic and schools like you're living that and so of course you tell yourself all these narratives like this traffic is really bad or it really matters because it's what you're dealing with day in and day out and may not really matter like why would you drive an hour to get to the better school or something like those just don't seem like important things to me they just don't well it's interesting you say that because uh seriously I could have thrown a football to an elementary school from my house, but it, wa- it wasn't rated as good, and it wasn't as good com- compared to like test yeah. scores and all these different things you can find on the internet. So we did the lottery and, and went to another school, but, but you could have been right. That, that school could have been fine. It could have had a had set of experiences yeah. that were perfect for the de- right. develop. I mean, you know, just I'm, of course, better schools are better by some objective measure by how they measure it, but the experiences that a kid's going to have in a certain environment, you don't know how that'll affect them. And it's too easy yeah. for a parent to say, I did the right, it's all about them saying, I did the right thing. I drove the extra 30 minutes. I got in the lottery. I paid for the private school. You just feel, it's like, it's just, you feel like you're doing something for your kid. I mean, well, you, you well, don't know if really that'll funny. be better or worse. Hey, here's what's really funny though. And, and why life Nothing matters. This is why. This is why I I always go back to what does it all mean? What does it even matter? Matt has a defined stance that's pretty strong, and he can maybe even prove to us and our listeners right now that maybe he's even right. <laughs> I don't know about proof, but but I mean, you you have some good. You can you can give some data, maybe even you could you could actually make a really good point here. But guess what? Your wife ain't gonna let you do it, no, so I, you're going to find she the wants, good right, Whatever she wants to do. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you say. You can prove. You can do a. You know, a dissertation. I'm so in the seat. I'm so in the seat. You get, you get your doctorate in this, and your wife, you are going to the good school, and you're gonna pay for it. Well, That's what I don't you're gonna know do. about that. I don't so know about that. It doesn't matter what logic you use. A wife can destroy it all. Well, it I'm trying matter. to sow the seeds because my daughter ain't normal. It ain't gonna and it's probably my fault. I don't know if it's genetic or the way I've raised her thus far, but she'll be like me in school. She's not gonna get along with authority and blah blah blah. And I hope my wife can see that, and we can. I don't. I don't know if there's any answers. I really don't. Some people say hey, homeschool, well, really? unschool, whatever. But whatever Bridget wants to do, will you know, it's more likely we'll go that way than my way. But I try to sow the seeds a little bit. She's a little well, like, bit responsive to what I'm saying. I like this conversation. I like hearing about your kids. But let me talk about some logic, like we were just talking about when it comes to shaving. And a lot of y'all know that we advertise for Harry's. And I, I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but we don't advertise for sponsors that we really don't believe in. And Harry's is something that Matt, Toby, and I all use. And for the longest time, I would go to the drugstore and I would buy the little bag of cheap razors because I just don't want to buy the really expensive stuff that is better for you. And here you have Harry's comes along. They cut out the middleman, and you can buy the really good stuff but pay not even close to what you're paying at the stores. And it's it's the best quality. So Harry's is so confident that you're going to love their blades that you can today get a free set a trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com forward slash bc pod so why is harry's so good well because they bought their own german factory with over a hundred years of blade making experience so they're badass at what they do they know what they're doing and it's a hundred percent quality guarantee they offer their blades at half of the price of the leading five blade razor like i was talking about this the stuff you buy at the stores i mean harry's is way less expensive and so you can claim your free trial offer with harry's today this is a 13 dollar value 
but free to you when you sign up. Just cover $3 of shipping. So <clears throat> your free trial set includes a weighted uh, razor handle. It's ergonomic. And I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what ergonomic means? Ergonomic. Ergonomic. Well, it, it means it fits your physiology. Yeah. Oh, cool. That is that is true. That is very true. Uh, and I shave my head, so it has <laughs> to uh, accommodate for my head and cheeks and everything. Well, it's about Five the precision. handle, the way your fits in your hand. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. that's true because it's got like a soft, rubbery feel. Perfect. Five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. There's a rich... Lathering Joey doesn't know gel. what lubricated means either. <laughs> <laughs> and there's they, they give you a travel blade cover as well. So go get your free trial set. Go to harrys.com forward slash BC pod right now. Thank you, Joey. Uh, hey, can I talk about something? Because y'all were talking about kids. Anything and you this, like. Th- well, this kind of got me a little bit. Somebody posted it, and I feel bad because I wanted to give them roving reporter status. But uh, I, f- I forget who posted it. So whoever did on Facebook, uh, I'm sorry. Wait, you popping You're... into a news article already? I wouldn't mind it. All right. I mean, let me, so let me hook you up then. Oh, hell. In a world where Matt's daughter doesn't respect authority, and he's worried about where she'll go to school, that she's going to be in juvie by the age of seven. <laughs> She's going to get street education, the young Carter. Being that she's mixed race and, and has no respect for authority probably doesn't bode well for her in run-ins with the police, I imagine. You know what? That's not even really funny. That's actually really sad. And Are you at all concerned about not that at all? I'm, at I'm, I'm, all. I know okay. that sounds crazy, and I know people disagree uh-huh. with me, and I even know somebody that wants to talk to me about it, but I just don't yeah. see putting in their heads, now you got to, here's what you got. I mean, I promise you, my girls, fear uh, in their, head, their yeah. skin color is a little different than mine, and it's just, uh, all you got to do is not ever worry about it. They have good family. They're reasonable people. They'll know how to navigate the world. Things won't be perfect, uh, whatever, but you don't need to put it in their head like all this stuff's against them. That's just, I'm not going to do that. I don't even feel that way. I don't even think it's true. I think they'll be just fine. Anyway, sorry. Are you are you at all worried being like a middle-class white male that when you go to discipline your daughters that you'll seem like a racist? Like if you, <laughs> sell, like if you say, clean your room, and then you go, you're lazy. They go, Dad! You're a racist. No, I'm not worried because happen? I don't discipline my kids. That's how I get out of oh, that. Oh, <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Wow, that's all star father. <laughs> I know. No, I don't know why they don't respect authority. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what authority even is. <laughs> Your kids don't understand authority. Their dad doesn't understand love or emotions. But yeah, they, they're going to do great. They'll do good at all some right. stuff. Some stuff, yeah, not that, so much. <laughs> All right, so anyway, going back to the kid thing, this comes from crossexamined.org and I I thought uh this this guy kind of goes off the uh on a a blog called the unfundament unfundamentalist. I can't say that word, Joey. You don't know ergonomic and I can't say unfundamentalist. Even though we were uh unlearning.com. Un is a little hard there. I can say fundamentalist, but unfundamentalist gets me. But anyway, he kind of goes off on this. Uh, oh, this is a lady, actually, Natasha Crane. And the title of this article was Progressive Christianity is as much of a threat to your kid's faith as atheism. And I was thinking, huh, what? I was kind of wondering, what, what, did, what does she think progressive Christianity is? And what do I think it is? Like when I hear those words, like progressivism, even with politics and stuff like that, I don't, 
it feels like we're talking, you know, socially liberal or culturally liberal or something like that. I, I don't know, but she goes on to say, what is progressive Christianity? So she defines it. And her list right here is, uh, uh, Alyssa Childers wrote this. It's a low, this is their view. It's Alyssa Childers view. Uh, a, progressive Christianity is a lowered view of the Bible. Feelings are emphasized over facts. Essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. Historic terms are redefined. And the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. And there's what it says. Here's the danger. To the untrained ear, the progressive Christian message can sound a lot like biblical Christianity. There's a talk of God and Jesus, the Bible, love and compassion. But if a child has never learned to think more deeply about theology and what the Bible actually teaches, they can easily mistake progressive Christianity for biblical Christianity. Now, it goes on to say some more, and I'll keep popping back in here and talking about it a little bit. You know that's the girl that I interviewed, right? Or the woman that I interviewed. Natasha Crane? No, 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 the oh, Alyssa Childers. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Alyssa Childers. She, yeah, Natasha Crane just uh, referenced Alyssa Childers. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know that. That was on Pastor with No Answers? No, 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 no. that's the one that we're oh, releasing sorry. on back. Yeah, we had, yeah, oh, right, right, Joey right, had right, a conversation right, right. with her that we're going to release shortly, so it's, we're kind of preemptively talking about that, so it kind of works out. So this oh, will kind of nice. frame a whole conversation Joey had with one of the pr- people that wrote one of these articles. Anyway, continue. It'll be nice. Man, we have a, a synergy on this podcast. That's right. It's unbelievable. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. It, I know it really is. The Lord is blessing this podcast. Hell yes. Hell hell no. Heaven yes. All right. So anyway, I want to go on. She, <laughs> uh, uh, before I go on, do y'all think any of that describes us or the Bad Christian Podcast? Do y'all well, think that like I, don't don't aren't people kind of saying we're progressive and okay. dangerous? Well, you're gonna have to look at it this way first of all. The the whole stupid thing that's happening in our society that drives me crazy is this over-labeling and what I'm going to say is weaponization of, of language. I, we're using language now. I mean, the politics yeah. is the best example of it, but Christianity is always a step or two behind politics. Whatever you don't like about politics, Christianity is right there behind it. But it's real similar. We're just using words, and we're in language that's overly persuasive and labeling, like when you label something pro-choice or pro-life – which implies the other is the opposite or whatever. So the fundamental thing she set up here, which is driving me crazy already, is progressive Christianity can take the place of biblical Christianity as if it's not possible to be progressing or progressive and biblical. So I throw the whole thing out based on the fact that she's trying to set the, that false dichotomy up there, driving me crazy. I looked up the definition of progress, progressive while you were... Uh, reading that it says happening or developing gradually or in stages preceding step by step uh you know so uh, that's a good thing yeah well, how so that can't that that must be in opposition with biblical you right. can't learn the bible in its depth and in full maturity over time to see it in more and more fullness and that, that's that not deeply like biblical plan. As, or, yeah. or you had to stay on a four-year-old level, or a fourteen-year-old level, or a third-year Christian level, or the fir- you know of, I mean, you, you know, I'm exposing there that I think that lots of Christianity tries to keep people at a very low level, but I think progressing would be biblical. Anyway, if you want to go with the fi- false dichotomy, continue on. Well, I mean, Joey, first of all, let's yeah, let's admit that Jesus was the most progressive person in the Bible. 
He was very progressive. He yeah, kind of changed great point. everything, mm -hmm. and people looked at him there just like he's crazy. The most frustrating thing for me about all this, though, is the people that label other folks as progressive, they're basically saying that they're the only ones approaching the Bible in like a honest, submissive way where the people that are written off as progressives and uh, they're, they're being told that, yeah, they want to be their own God and they think they're smarter than the Bible when we, I mean, the three of us, we've talked to people. We've talked to um, Pete Enns, for instance. I think we all agree that this guy's approaching the Bible as best as he knows how intellectually, humbly, it seems to me. And he's coming out with kind of a, a different product. He sees it differently. Why does that make him, progressive and bad not like biblical. why can't that just make him yeah. approach uh, it differently i mean i don't well, i don't well, understand people that at are all like very we, we really and yeah. and here's why here's one of the biggest reasons why people are leaving the church there's no room for people to approach the bible differently like we can't say i'm a christian but i don't believe the bible's completely inerrant like they're written off and you can't have any sort of influence in church culture and that's that's going to become more and more of a problem. Well, I think what they're saying, I think the idea is they they have some fear that the Bible won't be teached appropriately or uh, historically or however, you know, Christianity has viewed the Bible in the past or even in the present right now. And they're worried that if you give people too much rope, then they'll hang themselves and, and they'll get it wrong and they'll just mm -hmm. become about themselves. But, I mean, it's very clear everybody personally interprets the Bible and picks and chooses. It's just, I, I know that sounds crazy, and people go, no, I don't. I, you know, like this this author here goes on, she goes on to talk about theology, and she brings up the uh, the unfundamentalist parent, and they wrote an article called Why Your Children Do Not Need Apologetics, and, I, and uh, you can read that too on the Unfundamentalist Parenting blog. But uh, basically, the po this author says, uh, the post is filled with misunderstandings uh, about all kinds of stuff. It says... Uh, they go on, the, the unfundamentalist says that uh, apologetics confines faith as a doctrine, and they want to be a little bit more open and broad when they're raising their kids. Our faith is a, a, a dynamic experience that shifts and evolves for us, and especially for a child growing leaps and bounds in the, their development. We cannot capture that experience and box it in a set of propositions to memorize and defend that limits and denies the realities of the human experience. Now, this author here, this uh, of crossexamine.org, goes on and, and just says, oh, you can't do that because it makes uh, truth subjective and apologetics are super valuable and it gets you out of your uh, life experience and you learn about the Bible. But I, but I, I really do agree with unfundamentalists, and I was going to see what you guys say about it. I, I sometimes am concerned... Like, for me, I was raised so strictly with the Bible as this, 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 and this that I had no thought outside of other people, and, and I mm -hmm. didn't care. I didn't. I, yeah. I grew up yeah. very much so not loving other people and thinking if they weren't with me, they were against me. Yeah, but yeah. that's black I mean, and white. That's just childish. That's what you teach your kid about the stove, that it's bad. I teach, I teach an eight-month-old that the stove is bad. Is the stove bad? No. No, it's not bad. But is there, good. is there something else I should be telling my eight-month-old? I don't even know if that's how you teach them right. or not, but you just, no. It's a good don't. point. Okay, so later she'll figure out the stove is actually not bad, or there'll be a giant megaculture rallied around anti-stoves forever. 
Yeah, uh, you well, know, let, let, uh, it's you know, there's a maturity can, yeah. issue with interpreting the Bible somewhat, and I mean, g- good and bad, God and Satan. I'm not trying to throw those terms out, but I'm saying, obviously, in trying to communicate with people at different levels of maturity and life experience, it will tend to get reduced to the good and bad. I mean, think about it; almost nothing is plain good and bad and right and wrong. That's just not the way stuff is. But it's you have to have the requisite maturity to be able to get well, that, it. And that's what I got out of Pete Inns on Joey's podcast, which everybody needs to yeah. listen to. That's amazing. Best episode of your podcast, in my opinion. Oh, thanks. Let, Except listen, for the ones I've been on. <laughs> let, I mean, let me demonstrate to our listeners how, how kooky this is to think that your way of reading the Bible is the best way. So uh, I was brought up to read certain scriptures in certain ways, and it was wrong. So either the churches that I went to that were teaching my parents this stuff and me this stuff were really progressive to take God's word out of what it was trying to say, or it, you, or you just have to face the facts that, oh yeah, how you read the Bible is wrong, so we do need to progress. I mean, here's one. I have plans to prosper you. That a passage in the Old Testament, I think it's in Isaiah or something, everybody has that on their wall thinking that, well, God's plans are great for you. That wasn't a universal thing. That was talking to a nation, and then we apply it to ourselves, and maybe that's okay, but it's very progressive. Uh, today is the day for salvation. Once again, we use that as an evangelical, hey, you need to get saved right now because you may not have tomorrow. That's not what that passage meant at all. Once again, it's yeah. talking to a specific nation. And then the my favorite is avoid the very appearance of evil. Like my my mom, God bless her heart, I mean, she would say, no, I don't want you and your girlfriend to be at home by yourselves because people may think that you're having sex. And the Bible says to avoid, you know, even the appearance of evil. That passage says, translated correctly, is like avoid all forms of evil, no matter how big or small, not every occurrence, managing every your appearance. single appearance of evil, avoid that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. just right there, I guarantee you at least half of our listeners can say, oh, yeah, that's how I was brought up to see these scriptures. And that is very progressive, either or very at least progressive indicative or very of wrong. interpretation. It's exactly. not like they didn't yeah. interpret it. They just took it for what that, it was, and we're trying to interpret it. Right. That's a super good point you made, Joey. Like, people don't want to say something's progressive because that, that you know, if they're using it in a negative context, but you're right. The idea of prospering and the prosperity gospel is right. a super progressive thought. In fact, I mean, it seems, I, I mean, same way as the poverty gospel, maybe. Maybe we're not. Wait, how I, is that I, progressive? I that, that Sorry. Be, I'm lo- you lost me there. Well, like Joey was saying, it said, you know, my, I'm going to prosper you, and they were talking to a nation, but we, uh, the church in a lot of ways, especially in the evangelical world, progressively took that to go, hey, you're going to prosper. You're uh-huh. going to get $1,000. You're going to get a new car. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to prosper, and God has great plans for you, and Christians mm-hmm. succeed. Well, it's and at least not, interpretive. It at least demonstrates right. their interpretation. And yeah, so that's, that, not, that's, yeah. that's people's knock on progressive theology is, is they're basically saying, well, yeah, you're you're making that stuff up. I mean, that's that's not in the Bible. That's not what right. the Bible meant. Yes, and I'm yeah. like, that's what everybody's doing. We're all putting our own meaning, and none of us approach the Bible without any sort of presuppositions, yeah. without any cultural influence. I mean, we all are approaching this with our own influences and our own you know, trains of thoughts and all yeah, that. And so it, none of us approach it honestly. And Natasha goes on to say, and I'm going to, uh, uh, if, if kids are only developing a faith based on shifting and evolving experiences, they have no way of knowing if their faith is well placed, meaning they don't have a real uh, solid footing for their faith if their faith 
faith is progressing and growing and changing. Now, I know you got something to say about that, but give me a second here because I want to tell you how my life has progressed and changed with Blue Apron because right it is awesome. And and here's what's really cool. We, we have some new sponsors uh, that I'm going to be talking about in the future too, but Blue Apron's been with us for a while. And just like Joey said earlier, one of the reasons why is because we love it. I, I had Blue Apron delivered to my house, I think, three days ago. And what is so great about it for me is whatever meal plan, however I want to eat, I can make it work and it, I can adapt it and change it and fix it to how I want to eat with Blue Apron. It's like that malleable. Blue Apron is so easy to use and the easiest things, it shows up in my door in this, we've said a million times, this really cool package and the vegetables are my favorite vegetables in the world. I don't know how they do it. Uh, it's, it's almost like the, the Lord himself makes the vegetables for Blue Apron. But let me tell you just a little bit about them and why I, I like them and why we like them here at Bad Christian so much. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, even like me who can't cook a lick. I can barely make a banana sandwich. Blue Apron achieves this uh, by supporting a sus- more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. And that's just what I think is really cool. Cooking together with your family, it, it builds a community. It builds a, a, a bond. I love it when our our daughters and our son are interested in the food that we are eating and, and eating healthy. And they go, why are we eating this? Uh, what is this? We've never had it before. Like We get to explain to them, this is how we want to eat. This is the way we want to treat our bodies. This is the way we want you to feel by eating this great food. Uh, those who spend a lot in restaurants or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Let me just give you a few of them here. Seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. Creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. My gosh, my mouth is watering. This food is unbelievable. It's affordable. There's a great variety. It's flexible. Like I said, it's easy and it's guaranteed. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Awesome. Let me do mine here too. I, I uh, all right. When we first started Bad Christian, we had to build all these systems. We had to figure out where we're going to send the T-shirts for the the bands, the music stuff, the the Bad Christian shirts. We had a bunch of stuff, and we didn't we didn't have a warehouse or anything like that. We had a, a friend of ours, a volunteer in Charleston, that was out of her own house that was doing all of our shipping. And the first thing I said when we started building that system is we got to do stamps.com. I heard about it on, I believe it was probably Mark Marin or Colin Cowherd or something. You know, you hear it on a lot of podcasts, stamps.com. And so we did it. And it was great. Stamps.com is wonderful. They save you time and money, uh, which you can use that time and money to grow your business or whatever it is that you're working on. So, uh, for instance, you can mail any letter, any package using your computer and printer, and the mailman just picks it up wherever you are. You do not 
have to do the hassle of going to the post office, which we did in the previous times we'd done crowdfunding and stuff like that. These giant trips to the post office that were horrible. Even if you had to do one thing at the post office, is horrible, much less a big batch of things. So you could do anything with stamps.com, postcards, envelopes, packages, domestic or international. You can create your account in minutes online with no equipment, no long-term commitments. So you just click, print, and mail, and you're done. So unlike the post office, stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters, packages at your convenience for 24-7. They're very convenient and also flexible, reliable, all, all the stuff you want something like that to be. So I use stamps.com because it helps us. We even use it at home now, actually, and we use it at home so we don't have to go to the post office because, again, we have horrible, horrible traffic in Seattle. It takes forever. There's long lines. So that's why we use it. We have the scale and everything right at our house. And right now, you, too, can enjoy Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. So go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Bad Christian. That's stamps.com, enter Bad Christian. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. All right, so Natasha from crossexamine.org, she says, Faith in and of itself is no virtue. It's only as solid as the object of the faith. The question is, how can we be confident that Jesus as the object of Christian faith is solid if our faith is based on shifting and evolving experiences. Now, I think she has some merit here. I, sure. I, I, I agree. Like, if you only are based on your personal experiences, then how do you know the rest of the world? How have you learned anything? And But that is kind of what I'm basing it off of. My experiences with the church growing up as a child was so rigid, so uh, uh, secluded, that I felt like I didn't know about anything of the rest of the world. And then when, the, when I got out of that, the rest of the world rushed into my life, and I had to slowly process, like, what in the world is this? Like, I, I had no frame of reference to what other cultures mm-hmm. were like, what other mm-hmm. people were like. All I knew is either they're the in, they're the all I knew was they're the enemy if they don't believe in Jesus Christ. The way you do, but really, yeah, yeah, the way I do. And you know he, what? I even, would suggest even other groups, even other, even other sects of Christianity. Well, here's the interesting question that your last statement brought up, Toby: Is what do you mean you left? Why'd you leave? I'm gonna, I'm suggesting that maybe you left because you outgrew it, because you matured enough to know there was more to it than that, or else why wouldn't you still yeah. be there? Yes. The reason I kept moving, I have to admit, was because of my experiences with other people from other cultures, from other races, where I was like, wait a minute, hold on, this thing that they're telling me sure does seem really hard. Like, it doesn't seem very loving or even caring. Like, forget, even though I love, like, I don't even know about caring for other people outside of proselytizing them. Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to get a number on your on your team or adding a number to your team. So I think that's one of the reasons, like, that progression, I don't think you can stop it. Like, this isn't something where you go, oh, now I'm going to be progressive and move on. You just do. Yeah, you your mind does, you, you do see things, you do start doing things. Like, for example, the church that I grew up in, when I was a kid, said that going to the movies was sin. You don't go to the movies. Do not go to the movies. They drop that. And they would have called other conservative Christians at the church down the road that are still very, very, very conservative. They would have called them progressive for going to movies. (laughs) That's an insult. Yeah, they thought Baptists were too liberal. Progressive, that's that's what they were saying. And so people would say, oh, well, you grew up in like a cult and stuff like that. But here's the, the underlying idea there. All churches have these things where they say, oh, this is what we stand on. But... 
then if you question it, then you're progressive and you're dangerous and you're hurting the children and you're doing all this stuff. It, that's what I really dislike is, once again, it goes to that. It does not respect your mind. Mm-hmm. And it says, if you question, if you go, well, let me really think about this. Let me see if I actually line up with this, then you're a danger. Not you're, you're trying to grow closer to God. It's always you're trying to get away from God. You're trying to weaken the, you're trying to hurt the children, trying to weaken the gospel, all this stuff, as opposed to, wait a minute, this is the first time in my life I've wrestled with it. Yeah. If you just take somebody's word for it and, and Greer, South Carolina, that's in a pulpit, you ain't really learning anything. Yeah, I yeah. wonder how many people would still be involved in a church had they been met with, hey, let's talk more about this. These are great thoughts you're bringing up in regards to their skepticism and their questions and their, I don't know if I can just be- believe this. Like, imagine if they said, man, these are really good things. And you can still be a part of mm. our church and ask these questions, but instead it was ostracized. It was, yes. you know, you need to kind of scoot on over because the real Christians are going to be running mm-hmm. stuff, and we'll counsel with you, we'll help you, but you don't have anything to mm-hmm. offer anyone anymore because you're asking questions. You I could mean. go far enough to say that that it wouldn't be unreasonable from my view to say that her, what she calls biblical Christianity is the enemy to people's retaining their faith. Because if it's that, if it's what Toby grew up with down the street or nothing, then you're going to get a lot of people that go, I guess I'm not that because they know something's wrong with that. And where else are they going to go? And But luckily there's other people who are thinking who have deeper level of maturity who are people like Pete Inns or whatever where you're like, oh, there are people that don't believe this ultra conservative bullshit that actually still love Jesus. Oh, there is a place for me instead of, you would have thought growing up in South Carolina, if you're not with them, you might as well just go start doing drugs and hanging out with all the bad people and, and <laughs> never pray or talk to Jesus or even try to reconcile anything. Because, right. you know what I mean? So you either stay in or you're out. So it might be nice that there's other levels and range of, of stuff out there. But the crazy thing about it is just being, you know, I guess I'm having to say, hold on a second, am I progressive? That doesn't sound like my self-talk of myself and where I come from. It doesn't sound right to me. I wouldn't have labeled myself as progressive, nor would I think. Like, it almost sounds like I'm being insulted if somebody calls me progressive or liberal, and then I take a deep breath and go, wait a minute. Those are good things to be. Yeah. There's good things to be. So, I I can't. Okay. It's really crazy for me to see myself, how other people see me, and I, I really want people to slow down and think about this. Like, I don't feel like I have approached God's Word differently from an honesty perspective and from a true desire of wanting to do us right. I mean, I legalistically, like with feeling guilt, want to do what's right, but then a lot of people would hear what I'm saying and say, oh, you're you're a rebel, you're kind of going off and doing your own thing, saying your own stuff, and it's like, Postmodern. It is so crazy to hear people say, "Yeah, that's a progressive pastor." Yeah, that's a guy that you don't listen yeah, cause, to. He's dangerous. Because I'm like, "Oh man, no, I, no, this is Joey. Yeah, I'm not progressive. Yeah, it's me. I'm not progressive. I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I swear, I'm not." Yeah, your right. instinct is to not be that, and then you go, well, "Hang on a second. I guess I'll just, right. I'll just take I think it. I am. That's what it is." But I mean, how do we get progressive? I mean, most a lot. Of, I guess a lot of people don't think we are. I mean, politically and everywhere else, some people would still say we're not progressive. But I mean, even that gets really squirrely because the I think that whole movement gets really weird. We're just talking about general progressives because there's a lot of, 
I don't know. I think the whole world gets super weird. But I mean, are we progressive? Is you just own that? Like, what about when Rob Bell, you know, got farewelled, and we didn't the three of us think he was he was off the rails? He was oh, done for. for? Sure. Did for you, sure. Toby? Think. Uh, yeah, I did. I, at that time, I just thought, okay, you know what? I, I wasn't as hard as a lot of people. I thought it was interesting when he would say, like, the, the one of the first things I heard was he was like, even if you found out that uh, Mary wasn't a virgin, like, we just oh, yeah. missed, that, that text was messed up. Driscoll I would was still believe that. in the Savior. And I was like, that's that's a really interesting standpoint. Like, he's saying regardless of if we might have misinterpreted the Bible there, the, the, the truth of the hmm. story is of, of a Savior, and that's what I think is really crazy is that we we trade the truth of the story for this idea, like even with inerrancy or or, or whatever it might be. Like for example, uh, somebody posted this too, and I, I don't know, have you ever heard of the the apologist Mike Lacona? Joey, you probably have. No, maybe I, I'm not sure. It was interesting. So this guy, I think he was with the Baptist Convention, or so maybe he was a bad. I can't remember. But anyway, he's debated a bunch of people and all stuff. But he wrote a book, and he just questioned one little. Point. He said it was. It could be beautiful. Uh, it, it, uh, see if I can even find it here. But basically, what he was talking about in Matthew twenty-seven, he said it might have just been uh, legend. Like when Jesus died, that angel showed up. The veil tore down the middle. There was an earthquake, and like the saints rose from the dead. He said. There isn't much historical proof of that. He said, "What if that was just you know the author being you know kind of poetic and saying the same way as it was raining cats and dogs." Like, what if he was saying that? Does that does that deny anything from the story? And people just blasted him. Like he had to he mm-hmm. had to quit working with the Baptist Church. I think uh, there was a bunch of different stuff. He was just saying this, and, and once again, he's on their team. He's just saying, right. "Listen, I be- I believe in Jesus. I'm just saying, and if you so if even one detail, if you said, "Hey, wait a minute, I don't know if this is exactly what happened. I'm thinking about it. I'm wrestling with it." You immediately within the Christianity become can't a teach Sunday school no yeah. more. <laughs> you are isn't that isn't that like uh, doesn't that just show something of of the real motive there? You're a danger. Yeah, yeah, a danger. Anything different, you're yeah. a danger. Like that. That it, it, I mean, when that's been used. Politically and against you know different cultures or different races or whatever, you just don't understand. Like if you're a little different, you're a danger. Yeah, that I thought Rob just, Bell was that's, bad. That's like I thought it was bad. Like I read his. I went into Barnes and Noble. I didn't buy it. I just read it in Barnes and Noble and read his book right. and this chapter on hell and some other stuff in there. I was like, yeah, he's gone. That's it. <laughs> he's out. And that virgin birth thing. I was like, no, we hold that's that's important because it, you know, because I don't know. I thought it was really really important. And and I don't even. I don't now. I don't. It's not that I've. I take this approach where I'm not trying to resolve everything. I don't think about that. Like I don't say I don't believe in Jesus. I don't not pray. I don't not care. It's none of that stuff. I'm just saying I don't think about the virgin birth either way. I just don't think about. It. I don't try to. I don't make a claim that it wasn't true or it doesn't matter. I don't right. even. I just don't think about those things right now. That's all I can tell you. I know some things that seem important, and I know some things I used to think were important that don't seem to be. But I can't help what I what I what I'm where I'm at. I can't help it. It's just I right. I find myself here, and I think it must be okay. I don't know if yeah, that's that, bad that's, or postmodern, but that's just the truth. I used to be super addicted to reformed stuff because I was like, whoa, there. You know, that's so seductive to yeah. think there's a set of answers when applied logically that would output what you want to know i mean that's very seductive but and i thought rob bell was out yeah and so now i don't know that's that's the thing about uh, yeah reform theology is just 
Or, or I don't even want to pick on Reformed theology. Like, let's no, just that's take just what Pente- I liked. I was yeah, let's it, just but. take Pentecostalism. It's once you, once you have your own formula and you pretty much live and die by your formula, you, you put God in a box and you alienate other people that don't believe the same way because you're, you basically write them off as, as the folks that don't understand. And I think the irony behind that is, like, if we really uh, approached everything that way... I mean, th- so think about, uh, think about John Piper and Billy Graham. So one of those guys is really off. Like, their theology is just really, really off. Like, which, which one is it? You know, and these are all well, people As if that they would try- be off 100% and the other one right 100% versus they right. both I mean, got when a it, lot when of it shit comes wrong. To like, yeah, when it comes to how God operates and how God saves people, I mean, that right there, given that John Piper and Billy Graham are both pretty respected people in the church— that should make us all pause and be like, okay, wait a second. One of these guys is Can you include much Rob Bell in your how- analogy and continue that? So Rob Bell or PNs Billy Graham and John Piper. Are they all still are they all just Christian guys that are looking at it different? Or is there an end? Yeah, but un- un- unfortunately I think that Rob Bell is not as respected in the church, but I do think that's growing. I mean, I do think that's changing. I think this time in five years, Rob Bell will just be like, Oh yeah. Yeah, Rob Bell, Bill, Billy Graham, they're Christians. Mm-hmm. Really? I, do. I don't know. I don't, uh, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know where I fall on uh, with Rob Bell. I think some of the stuff he says is pretty Tom amazing. Cruise. Some some of it I think is Tom yeah, Cruise, Tom right? right. <laughs> well, what I'm saying, there's a clear difference, but, though, in the fact that Rob Bell yeah. seems to care and spend a lot of his time and effort contemplating and thinking about Jesus and who he was, and Tom Cruise does not, right? I mean, it's yeah, not, they're not. Yeah, those yeah, but how about t- this? Here's the thing that really frustrates me. Can't we say they get some stuff wrong? Like, that's what I don't understand. It, it's totally okay. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when I was talking about Mike Lacona a minute ago, he gets some stuff wrong. He's not perfect. He would even admit that. It, all the stuff, when everybody says it's this way, this way, this way, I, that always throws a serious red flag to me, just, just the same way as like in sports. And in sports, when everybody goes, oh, no matter what, the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. I go, uh, I don't know. You might need to, uh, that, why is everybody so on board with this one thing? I mean, it could be something else. Something might change. I mean, let's don't all just jump to the same conclusion because you need somebody with a differing opinion, because they might be right too. You don't get everything one hundred percent right, and, and, and none of us are perfect. Everybody said that a million times in their life. But it's frustrating to me that we would be so confined mm-hmm. that we would not allow somebody's brain to work and think things through as if it was a danger. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, it, like, why would you be scared that what are, people that are don't like Rob Bell or whoever it might be? Is, are they scared that they're going to prove that Jesus wasn't real? Are mm-hmm. they scared that, like, oh, wait a minute, they're going to lead people straight to hell because... Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, well, I, mean, I mean, that's a big like, consequence for if, your children in this article. It's the danger to their faith. If they listen as to if Toby nobody can and think Rob on Bell, their they go to hell. That's the danger. I mean, we're not sure, yeah. so let's err on the side of safety, being conservatism, I right. suppose. I was going to say, too, this comes from Pathios as well, um, and I thought this was kind of interesting. This is kind of a positive look at progressive Christianity. Um, so maybe we are progressive. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I'm that far off. I feel like I'm Far pretty, off of what? Uh, I mean, the uh, whole question of, there. Of, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm that far off from probably what most uh, even evangelicals think. I, I'm not like so far out there that I'm what is uh, far just out the craziest there? person. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I am now that you say that. I but mean, give I, me I'm an example saying, of far out there. 
Okay, most people would say, uh, uh, how about, uh, let's see. Matt McDonald. I'm, 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 fully, I'm fully down with the Trinity. I'm fully down <laughs> with uh, preaching, uh, sharing the sacraments. I'm fully down with tithing. Okay. I, I think about giving and serving. Who is all, all those stuff. Huh? Who is it? No, that's what I'm saying. Name anybody who's saying. not down with those things. Uh, I think some people think that probably tithing is just a tool to get money for the but church. But I'm saying name any and... leader or any ch- Christian thing that's fa- that you consider to be far out there that you are not. Can you come up with one? Leader? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I would say that, that I'm anybody not saying not. I'm just trying to define some line. Who is a Christian it, group or leader that you go, those people are too far out there? Like uh, liberally or conservatively? It, pr- progressively. Oh, um... Who's more progressive I, than you to the point where you go, oh, I'm not that? The, uh, the church that we go to here, uh, I think that they are very progressive and they are uh, affirming for homosexuals. <laughs> and I'm totally on board with that. Like, I actually am. Right. I'm, I'm I totally just a- asked you, can you name a group no, no, that's super progressive yeah. far out there? And you said, yeah, the church we go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but here's why I don't feel like I line up with them. I feel like more than learning. A- <laughs> go there. I know, but hear me out. I didn't go there this week, uh, <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. I oftentimes feel like I don't know if I'm completely on board with their mission because I think their mission now is more of like uh, self-actualization, realizing about self, uh, social justice, which I'm all for those things, but if I'm... If I'm going to go to a church, I'd like to learn about Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's where I do think maybe I line up with apologetics again and how I'm different, where I think I would love to really have a real lesson about the Bible and it not just be about, oh, you know what, uh, this is what happened with these people, and here's what's going to happen with you. If you do this, this, and this, then, and give me three points about how my life can be better or how I can serve God better, I'd like to just learn a, the apologetics or the study of Jesus and the religion that mm-hmm. I'm a part of, this Christianity thing. And so what I'm saying is like the church I go to, I actually line up that you're right. They are, they are very progressive and they're doing things that I have been challenged and yeah, agree I with see. it. Like, I, like that's what I'm saying. They're, they're, I'm, they're the most welcoming church to anybody. You come in, come as you are. So all those things, like it, it has changed my mind on, uh, on being gay affirming. It just has. Like I, I, like I realized, wait a minute, this is amazing. These like, what in the world is wrong with the church? And what has been wrong with me in the past to where I wouldn't be open to people serving the church because of their, how, how they decide to have uh, their, use their bedroom right. or whatever it might be. That, so we shame certainly can consider you progressive. You, the, the moniker progressive could certainly be applied to you. Right. Without hesitation. Okay, maybe so. <laughs> yeah, unless unless not. Uh, I mean, but, I. But but what but I'm, I'm saying, just saying hold on, that's not hold on, bad. Hold on, but yeah, but hold on. That's why I didn't want to get pigeonholed there yeah. because usually progressive is just about uh, gay rights. I know, but if you own it, yeah, that's you know what, what I'm mean? saying. Like, that's this not is what we what, need is people what, to own it. What people need to right. know, yeah, I call me liberal. Like I don't need to defend myself and tell people I'm not liberal. If I'm if 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 this defines me as liberal, okay. I don't I don't I don't need to worry about the terminology applied to me. I don't care. If you think I'm a non-Christian, go for it. I won't defend myself. I, I agree I don't with you. Care. What I'm saying is, but here's what, here's, let, me, let me clarify what I'm saying. 
the lines aren't that hard drawn and we're mm-hmm. not really that far off from each other is all I'm saying. I agree. Like I'm that. not I'm not that much crazy. Like there are Southern Baptists who uh you know are uh, that I would go, oh man, gosh, they're just so red for you know, Republican yep. red and all that stuff. I we th- but they really do care about the world. They do care about their God. They care all the, th- that's Great. all I'm yeah, saying. Absolutely. Like I, what I don't like is when you draw these hard lines and say, well this is progressive, this is conservative, this is right. red, this is blue, this is black, this is white. That's what I don't like and I that's agree. what I, I'm hoping that the progressive thing is doing is challenging Challenging people like me to think a little bit more broadly and then see what I actually believe. Because at the end of the day, I was taught that gay is wrong and gay people are going to hell. And then because people challenged me outside of what I had always been taught as a child, then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. You mean people want to serve the church and and want to give their time and their money and and their life to God and their church? And we're going to just say no you're you're bad you're this you're this you're this like that just being able to hear a different opinion is super valuable yeah very absolutely. valuable but all i know is i get scared when we talk about this kind of stuff because i realize hearing you guys talk i'm like man i am i'm far out there <laughs> what do you mean i just you mean you're farther out there than me and toby yeah oh, for sure i, I mean I you just... even believe in like using crystals and what else? Astrology now. No, right? Okay, so far, super good. I'll put this out there: far, farther out there on a trajectory of ours, you could say is Dave Bazan, anti-Christian, right? I mean, our oh, paths yeah. are similar, but I don't think that's where yeah. where I, I don't feel that I'm headed that way. I could be wrong. I've always said that could be wrong. I don't know, but yeah. yeah. I, I anyway, just, what I do just, you mean you're farther out there, Joey? I don't even know what you mean. I don't uh, think you're farther than us. No, you work at a conservative megachurch as a pastor. A, so yeah. what does that mean? I mean, I don't understand that. I just well, think call that me a after lot you of, do a gay wedding. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that y'all say, just kind of a matter of factly, I still feel like I don't know. I don't know how. That's very funny. I didn't hear what he said. I said, he said call, call me, me after you do a gay wedding. Oh, <laughs> oh he's out there. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just feel like so much of our theology theology is based more on tradition, and uh, you know that. We get such a bad rap for saying, oh, you know, you're just going by your feelings and you you can't be swayed by your feelings. I'm going to tell you, my feelings are the only thing that's keeping me tied to the Christian faith. I mean, that right there is why I don't, I feel with my past experiences, there's no way I can shake a mm-hmm. Christian faith in Jesus because mm-hmm. of what I've experienced. And because, what you I felt, mean, yep. Whole, hey, by the way, funny, but I, what I trumps everything? To... I'm sorry, I'll let you continue. I'm just feeding you something into what you're saying. The people that deny feelings or say you can't be swayed by what you feel, their ultimate highest trump card is the Holy Spirit, which is only something you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, that, so, that you're it, you're writing off a. The, I mean, a scripture where it says worship God in spirit and in truth. I think is shows that there's importance in feelings because. The Holy Spirit is who that's we how feel. you interact yeah. with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, but I mean, j- just kind of a side point. I went to um, a lot of. Uh, I mean, almost if you're if you're breathing and you still have your brain, unlike my mama Jean, uh, who <laughs> is dead to me. But you remember two years ago, Mother Emmanuel, the nine African Americans at the Bible study that was shot by Dylan Roof. I went to a two year anniversary celebration at that church, and I'm telling you. If you're kind of on the fence and you're struggling with your faith, go to a black church. And I know everybody's, uh, oh, well, you, you know, you're getting swayed by your feelings. And that was an emotional thing. Sure it was. But I'm telling you, there's something about being in a congregation where people are 
genuinely celebrating. They're throwing all social norms out the window, and they are just pursuing God with their heart. I mean, I was just like, there's mm-hmm. no way Jesus is not true in this place. I mean, so, it's just... It was an experience to behold. I, I, let me do, let me unreal. do you one bet. Yeah, let me let me let me go bounce off that. This week we went to church and they had baptisms and they had all these kids up there and I was like, huh? I wonder. I, you know, my my uh, critical uh, self was like, yeah, these kids. You know, here's this nine year old. I'd love to see them ten years from now and ten years after that. And where are Toby they? Toby wants how, them. Toby wants how, people to fail spiritually how, so he how can how be important right. is this, <laughs> How important is this baptism, right? And I was like, golly, I'm critical. I'm just awful. And then right in a row, two like 30-year-old men came up there, and I was in tears. That's awesome. I was like, yeah. holy cow. They're, they're, like, yeah. when, when you see a child or even a lady, they, they're, I'm used to seeing beauty and wonderful emotional things when it comes to, to, to women. Now, yeah. when you see a man get in front of people and go, at this point in my life, I've made a decision to follow Christ, yeah, and I, I want to it. be washed yeah. away and start, I was just blubbering, yeah. and I was sitting there just so emotional and feeling it uh-huh. because I was like, man, this is so amazing. When you can see a man make a proclamation and a decision, yeah. it, it, like you don't get to see that as much. You get to see a lot of bad stuff when it comes to men, but when you see a man be <laughs> humbled by his God and do those things, I was just, I was just devastated. I was like, man... God is That's real. Awesome, this yeah. is awesome. It's outside of you. That like that outside of you, you go, I need something more. I need a savior. I want to do better. I, mm-hmm. I God, I have maybe you can call me to do something more than me me just being selfish and it challenged yeah. me even in my yeah. own heart. And so that's what that's I thought awesome. was really beautiful about it. That's what I'm saying. Like the church has so much beauty and I hate that we get caught up in this and it's not just the church. I was going I was going back this uh from Pathios, The Holy Kiss by Roger Wosley, and it's 16 progressive Christian, uh, 16 ways to progressive Christians interpret the Bible. But just this first quote that he, that he says uh, here, um, atheists and fundamentalists each tend to read the Bible in the same wooden, overly literalistic manner. The difference is that atheists reject reject what they read in that manner while fundamentalists believe that's it. great and he's yeah, just that's true. yeah i know he's just going on to say and then he goes on to say all christians pick and choose which portions of uh the the way they interpret the bible literally uh progressive christians simply admit this and share how we discern it i i, I think what he's saying here is just really true if we are so wooden if we're so strict the way i was brought up then it leaves no room for that holy spirit that that, that it's it's not actually leaving any mm-hmm. any life experience which is very valuable yeah atheists are it's real bad about that bad. now that you mentioned it. I, i've totally observed that that they that they they when i hear an atheist criticize christianity i'm like oh i don't believe that though so now you're right. attacking something that I don't even think is reasonable, and it's a fundamentalist idea that they're attacking, which we need not hold. And, I mean, again, it's it's weird on the feelings thing that it's uh, – on the feelings thing, it's like feelings are actually super welcome. Conservatives always like to say that, and you'll see it on social media, and especially if it comes to politics, it's it doesn't matter about your feelings. That doesn't matter. Well, I want everybody to try this for an experiment. All the conservative people that have ever made that statement, that your feelings don't matter and you shouldn't be swayed by your feelings, whatever. Next time you hear somebody praying or talking at church and they say, I feel God leading this or I feel the Holy Spirit, you go, nope. Right. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Just yell nope as soon as somebody tells about this, they feel God calling something or another. Say nope. Yeah. So feelings, obviously welcome as long as they do not challenge anything. Yeah, I, I I really do think uh, the the thing that the church is lacking is I do think we need more 
of an education, more of an explanation of Christianity and what it's saying. And then you take that knowledge and you actually are able to use it in a way where you have learned something and not, mm-hmm. not to make your life better or to do that, like to actually know what you're talking about. Like the only way, like, like why would we be so solid on teaching math? Or well, I know we were talking about education earlier. Like there's just the idea of math and needing it and how it's going to, but you don't go, you don't teach math in the way that the church teaches God. Like you teach math, like, Hey, here it is. Now, what do you think about it? How are you going to use mm-hmm. it? You want to use it in this career? You, you, you get to figure it out. You get to use the knowledge you have. And then in real life experience, use that knowledge. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the church has is, is, is become so rigid because it goes, hey, this is what you got to believe, and this is how you use it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just devastating. To, that's very devastating to a young child who is just trying to grasp the idea of God. Like when we talk about God to our kids, I don't want to influence them with my uh, whiteness mm-hmm. or my Americanness. Or my wealth, or my lack of wealth. Like, what I want to do is give them just some truth. It's called empowerment, right? You want to empower them. So if you're a pastor, think about this. Do you want your congregation, and and this is a real question, do you want them to be more empowered or more dependent? Oh, more dependent, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And Dependent. (laughs) You know, I mean, those things, they're not completely opposing. But just think about it. Do you lean toward, are your actions leaning toward cause this congregation to be more dependent on me or the system or whatever? Or are they more empowered, which is scarier? But okay, yeah. your choice. Yeah. Just, yeah. Make, just make sure you ask yourself that. Well, the church definitely, and I, we should probably wrap it up here, the church has to make a decision. Are, is the door going to be open for people that still want Jesus, but their beliefs don't line up with yours and what you see as the true Christianity. And I mean, sure, if 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 you want to say nope, those people are not welcome to play the same part that I'm playing in church, well then they're not they're going to go away. I mean, I was talking to a guy that listened to Emory first, then he listened to Bad Christian, then he moved to Charleston, found the house church. I mean, he was telling me last night, it's just like, I mean, seriously, with without Guys like you and, you know, I listened to uh, a Rob Bell podcast. How about that? We're lumped into the same clay, which is crazy because I just think that there's a lot of differences there. But he's just like, I, I wouldn't think that I could be a Christian. Like, and that is a really but I want to be problem. Yeah, I want right. to be a Christian, right. but if there weren't other I people. I think I am that, one, yeah. yeah. Right, right. That's, that's definitely a problem. But, you know, I, I also want to try to be understanding of a lot of we'll just call it conservative Christianity and they're not trying to be divisive they're not trying right. to be exclusive they think that it's the right thing to keep the truth the truth so that people aren't led astray and burn in hell forever I mean so yeah. I, I feel like their motivation is good it's just mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's good the, the other whole line of co- co- exploration I would like to do that we won't do on this episode, but people I encourage them to think about independently. I love thinking about the parallels with Islam and Christianity. It, it fundamentalist, you know, Islamic fundamentalism and Christian fundamentalism. The parallels there are so interesting to think about if you can allow yourself to do it because my gosh, are they similar? And so now you have to think about 
how fundamentalistic and how legalistic do you think they should are they being when they're unreasonable and how literally they take theirs and what are the implications of it what are the harms of it and what do you actually hope for the the muslim faith and people's interpretation of the quran do you hope that evolves do you hope yeah. that stays rigid is it you just throw that all out because it's it's wrong and we're right i mean just look at those parallels it's really interesting but i would say the jihadist the super devout people, and even the super fundamentalist Christians, I will give you this. I, be- I believe that it's true that they believe more than I do. I think the jihadists believe more than I do, and I believe the fundamentalist Christians actually believe what they think that they take. I believe they take the text more seriously than I do. That is true. Yeah. I don't know how to reconcile that. It's just where I'm at. But that's worth noting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How about even this? How about you know, people say we don't talk enough about the Bible or use the Bible. First Corinthians fourteen thirty four through 35, and the Apostle Paul wrote, As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They that are not allowed with. to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. So any woman that you see in church this week singing, going to hell. It's wrong. They're sinning. Well, I get home from church, Bridget asks me questions if I hear, all the time. If I go to church this Sunday and, and I hear a woman singing Oceans or Good, Good Father, I am condemning them in front of the crowd. Can you imagine that? You get home from church every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. as your wife asking you questions about what happened in church that now you have to <laughs> translate and answer her. Like she, How like, does actually she atonement she work, though, Toby? Time? And you then you tell her. <laughs> <laughs> what's really funny is after church I, I always want to talk about it with Jess and she goes ah, let's just, uh, I'm just not going to <laughs> alright well this episode and that discussion that was pretty much the damn news was brought to you by Nathan Honecker by the way all of these guys that joined the club uh, half of them their wife joined the club but the wife did the right thing by sending their husband's name in right. their stead. So his wife actually joined, but thank you, uh, Nathan, for representing your wife. Same with Mitch Van Denberg. Mitch Van Denberg, we appreciate your wife joining, and thank you for representing her. Ajay er- Erasmus, Rebecca. Hmm. And no last name. I bet you it's because you don't want us to find you and tell you that you needed your husband. Gregory R. Moore, David Buck. That's with two U's, so I think you're supposed to do the uh sound longer. David Buck. And then Brett D. Ennis. Thank you guys for joining thebcclub.com. For more information on thebcclub.com, go to thebcclub.com and read about it. Yeah, absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast and even made it to the end, I would strongly suggest you would ask you to consider supporting it financially. It's how we make it work, and we have a great community. Go to thebcclub.com. And uh, again, I urge you to consider it if you've been listening for a while and like it and have more than, you know, and you're not dead poor. Yeah, or Matt even reasonably you. poor. If you have a good he job, then consider you. it. I'll put it that way. All right. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.